From the stage to the boardroom, this is the story of my next guest, Aubrey Jones, owner of Hadco Staffing in Las Vegas, Nevada. She took nothing and built it into something, and I mean something big and impressive and successful. But it started with dance. Aubrey will tell you in this episode how the arts really helped form her into the kind of disciplined business owner is today. You think business owning, uh, owning a business is tough? How about having blisters on your toes from doing five days of ballet? She'll talk about how that made her a more effective and disciplined business owner. You're going to learn about networking, but the key to Aubrey's networking is your networking has to come from the heart. It has to be genuine and it has to be real. And lastly, referrals. She has made a life on referrals in her business, and she will walk you through how to get referrals in a very easy and effective way that won't make you uncomfortable. It's an incredible story. This is one I promise you you're going to laugh, you're going to enjoy. So enjoy this episode of Leadership Lessons from Mayberry, brought to you by our incredible producer, Grace Dunbar. Well, listen, I just got some great news. My guest today is going to be singing the national anthem at the Nebraska versus Michigan game. Big anniversary. Aubrey, you got to start here before we get in. Tell me a little bit about this opportunity to sing in front of 89,000 fans at Memorial Stadium. Right? Go Big Red. So I was in uh, in college. I was in a group at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln called Scarlet and Cream Singers. Um, sadly, it's not around anymore, but... Um, it's celebrating its 50th year of existence, and there's 87 of us coming back. Um, some people that were in college in the 70s and 80s and me in the 90s. So um, we're all going to be singing the Starship Banner for the Michigan game. We're going to see Nebraska kick their butt. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, 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 that will be, do you believe in miracles? Yes, as Al yeah. Michael once said. <laughs> I do, I can beat the Wolverines, but... If it is, you guys will be singing it every week, I promise you that. <laughs> right. Um, let's talk about your Mayberry, where you grew up. Um, let's start there, Aubrey. You know how we start this show, the influences you had. So what do you consider to be your Mayberry? So I'm originally from Ashland, Nebraska. I uh, was born in Lincoln, but I lived in Ashland until second grade. And then uh, my mom moved myself and my two sisters up to Lincoln. Um and I lived in Lincoln through college. And then after college, you know, I left Nebraska and really didn't look back, but I love coming back home and, and my family still, a lot of my family still lives there. And um, I'm really proud to be from Nebraska. I still am a diehard Nebraska fan. So, but my, I guess my influences when I was growing up, I'm kind of going a little all over the place, but I, you know, I, I was a professional singer and dancer for a long time. So music and entertainment was a huge influence in my life um I loved Madonna and I I know people laugh at this but I look back at my life and what she did for me as a woman and um I'm forever grateful because I think you know people criticize her a lot and I understand but and she's never claimed to be the best singer or the best dancer but she was a businesswoman and she changed in my opinion the industry um, forever. And I, well, what do you, so let me ask, and I'm going to interrupt you. What yeah. did she do for you as a woman? I thought that was an interesting comment that you made because she is a strong, strong woman and a marketing queen, but what did she do for you? How'd she inspire you? Um, I think she made it okay to be a woman. And while I didn't feel that as much as probably some other women earlier when I was younger, that how they felt, um, she just showed so much strength um, she was an individual. She was a leader. Like she changed the game. And I love game changers. And for me, that's what I've tried to be. And so um, I think she was just so smart. And I think she also recognized that she wasn't the best singer, or the best dancer, but man, could she perform. And for me, like just because she was an entertainer, that I've tried to live my life that way, whether it was when I was professionally singing or what I'm doing today. Yeah. And we're going to tie into that. But, you know, your life, we start out talking about singing the national anthem. Then we get into one of your major influences as a kid was Madonna. You go to Lincoln High, which was legendary for their arts. 
and the influence on kids like you, very artistic, had a talent there. It seems like your Mayberry has always been influenced by the arts. Am I right on that? I would definitely agree with that, yes. And so tell me how that shaped you as well. Being in, introduced to the arts, the singing, the dancing, what did that, how did that influence you as a person today? You know, I I was at an awards industry event last night and um, one of the women that was being recognized, she was a professional or a professional dancer, a ballerina for a very long time. And I thought about um, what dance did for me. And I think it taught me leadership. It taught me discipline. Um, it taught me, it showed me that you need to put in hard work to um, see those results. Um, I feel like truly like people that get involved in the arts, there's a love and, and a passion that people don't, not everybody has. And um, we also are a group of people who accept everyone and love everyone. And, you know, it's interesting, just like I mentioned, sorry, Scarlet and Cream, um, I'm still two of my best friends that live in Las Vegas with me were my college friends. And another one works for me, you know, that was in Scarlet and Cream with me. And so I think there's this like camaraderie and that is unmatched that you find in those kinds of environments and that kind of arts world. I was interviewing someone last week who, in in essence, you could boil it down. He, he, he pours concrete and concrete in a lot of ways, right? Now his business is much more than that, but he's talked about how the arts influenced him as a kid because he believes that when he pours concrete, you know, that, that he's he's painting a picture. It is art. It is not, hey, I'm pouring a car concrete slab. And that influence on him today, that's why he does such beautiful work, right? That The way he was influenced. You talked about leadership and discipline that the arts taught you. How often are you using what you learned growing up in the arts, being in musicals and singing and dancing? How much are you using that in, in your business world today and your business acumen today? Uh, every day. I mean, you know, being a business owner is not easy. And um, if you don't have discipline and, you know, there's days where you just don't like today. <laughs> I didn't want to get up and work, but you have to you have to be disciplined. I mean, there's it's not somebody else isn't going to do it for you, you know, when you're a business owner. So the discipline part and the dedication, um, I use it every day. And as far as leadership goes, you know, I don't want to jump ahead, but I, I feel like I'm a good leader in a lot of ways, but I feel like there's still so much I need to learn and grow. But I think, again, that ties back into my discipline that I can recognize that and I know I need to continue to educate myself and be disciplined to keep elevating that leadership level. Well, Aubrey, a lot of people are going to sit here and say, dance taught you discipline. I mean, dance is fun. You know, if, if you think of, putting your kids on a path to business ownership and business leadership. You don't often think of arts, but you're like, look, it taught me discipline. So tell me how dance specifically, when you think back to your days, really ingrained discipline in you. Walk me through what that looked like. Well, dance is fun, but I think people forget how hard it is when you're putting point shoes on and you've got blisters all over your feet and you're doing five you know, you're going to dance class five times a week. And, and I mean, the kids these days, like, it's unbelievable. Like I, I could not, I can't even imagine. I mean, the time that goes into this and, um, I, as far as dance is concerned, like it taught me that I was, I had to be responsible. I had to do my work. I had to show up. And, um, that's. Yeah, there's <laughs> no doubt. That is a great example. You don't think about that. You don't think, I mean, it's similar to an athlete, right? When you're going yeah. through the blisters and the pain and the physical pain, and yet you you come out on the other side with this product that's that's wonderful. So you go to college, University of Nebraska, Big Red, and you stay in the arts. At any point, Aubrey, what is influencing you now in college? What are you thinking you want to be and want to do four years later when you graduate? Oh, I totally wanted to be a singer. Like, I... I mean, I wanted to be, I wanted to be discovered and be a singer or an actor. And I always knew I wanted to live on the West Coast. I didn't want to do the New York path, even though everyone kind of pushed me like, because I was, 
I was a singer and dancer, you know, and those were harder to find back then, you know, I mean, people that could do right. both. Um, but I knew like, I wanted to start writing songs and start, you know, it was just, and, you know, in junior high, I, I got a band together and we started doing gigs all over Nebraska. And so, I mean, this all started, you know, when I was 13 years old and it was when Tiffany and Debbie Gibson came out and I was like, I can do this. Like, and, and we, and so we put this band together and it was awesome. I made money, but it was like so cool. Like just to perform, we were performing at proms and all across Nebraska. And we did a gig in Ashland one time. Remember? Oh yeah, I was there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but during during college, I knew that I wanted to take this leap and I knew it was risky. And, you know, being a parent now, if my daughter said that to me, I'd be like, no. <laughs> so I can only imagine what my mom and, and my dad were thinking, you know, but um, it was just something I had this drive to do and I did it. <laughs> yeah. Well, so when does it hit you? Because you, you had a path. You went to Nashville as well mm -hmm. and you spent some time out there. The entire time, when was the point where you said, hey, I'm not sure this is what I want to do and I need to think about business? Yeah. So when I graduated from college, um, I had a job at Opryland in Nashville performing and I had some great success in Nashville. I was fortunate enough to audition for this show that was at the Ryman, which is the original Grand Old Opry. And I did a show there for two years. It was called Lost Highway and it was um, the story of Hank Williams and I played his wife Audrey Williams ironically Audrey and ironically she was a terrible singer so I was like here's my big moment I'm on the Ryman stage there Reba McIntyre came to see us Ben Skill yeah. and I'm you know I have to sing off key and I'm like not my dream that this happened but I knew after I left Nashville I went to LA and I immediately landed something and I knew like there was something in me that this was my path. I was supposed to be doing this. But something changed in me, I'd say a couple of years into being in LA. And it was it was the recognition of like the reality of like, I know that I'm not going to be discovered or that I'm not going to take this path any longer because I know that I have something else to give to this world. And that was the moment that I decided to leave and and make a move to come to Las Vegas. I still performed for quite some time. And I think I was trying to find my way of like what I wanted to do. Never in a million years did I think that I'd be doing what I'm doing though. <laughs> and we're going to transition that in a second, but I've got to hear the Reba McIntyre story because yes. by the way, full disclosure, Aubrey's my, my cousin, uh, <laughs> known her all of her life. But I remember she came backstage. Tell us about what that, I mean, she is the yeah. pinnacle of country music. And uh, at that time, I mean, Vince Gill, the whole thing, she's doing that duet. What was that like? What was that conversation about? Well, I barely remember it. But all I know is my dressing room was up on the second floor and most of the celebrities that would come see the show would come up by my elevator. And I literally had just started to like take my costume off and I had the shirt untucked. Like, and I was like, I normally would never ask to like take photos because I just never wanted to be that person. But I did with Reba. I was like, can I please take a picture with you? And she was like, oh, my. And I was a very, like, comical part in the show because I had to sing off key. And I was just, she was not a great woman. She was not very kind, Audrey Williams. And, but they, but I kind of, people loved it because they thought it was really funny. And so she, and she complimented me. And I just was like, oh, my God. It was so, it was really cool. I mean, it, it was a really, that was a really special moment in my life. Um, I also got to sing on the Grand Old Opry. Um and I got to sing in tune. <laughs> and you're going to sing in the circle. Yeah, and so the the new Grand Old Opry is or is over, has been moved, and Ryman is the original, and they kept some of the original stage at the new one. So yeah, I got to do that oh. same summer. So it was great. Aubrey, this is so many people go through this, right? Where they have this dream, and the dream is, look, I want to be, you know, whatever it is. In your case, it was a performer and singer. Uh, was it a difficult moment in your life where you're like, this isn't it? Um, you know, people ask me that a lot. Like, do I miss it? I really don't because I feel like I'm a people pleaser for sure. Like, I know that about myself. Um, I feel like I'm, I did it a lot because I loved it, obviously. But I look at myself and I think, I don't know if I was, I was doing it for the right reasons, but I feel like um, 
I've always been somebody that, and I'll admit this, that I need to be recognized. Like it's something I'm working on and I need to let go of that. But I think a lot of people that are A types and, you know, business owners are kind of those people. But um, it was a, it was a moment of like, hmm, this is a closed chapter for me. And it was scary more than anything because I didn't really know. I, I kind of had a plan, but I didn't know what I was going to do. And it, so just the reality of like, I need to stop this life life and move forward to something. You know, I was like, I need to get a real job, which isn't fair to say because I really totally had a real job. Like I was working all the time, but I, in my head, but it was definitely scary for sure. So you went through that experience where you had to kind of decide, look, I'm going to jump in. I'm a connector. I'm going to try real estate. 100% commission, by the way, nothing guaranteed. <laughs> Looking back, there are so many business people out here watching this show that say, I'm going through something similar. I need to make a transition. Any advice you would give to that person? And when you look back on what you did to say, hey, here is the process you should go through or some things you should think about when you're making a transition from company A to company B, industry A to industry B, anything you learned from that? Well, I think... For me, the, the biggest thing I've learned in my life and the reason I think that our business is, is successful and with any transition that I've done from any kind of career to another career path is, one, you have to trust your gut. And I know it sounds so simple, but I don't think a lot of people do it. And I think they question themselves. And I think that if you know and trust your gut, you're usually making the right decision. Um, if you're mentally in a space that, you know, you're at that level of where you can make those decisions for yourself. Um, I also think that it is critical in anybody's success um, to look at your network and to look at who's going to support you um, because that was a big decision factor in every step that I've made in my careers. So tell me how you develop a network. <laughs> well, I... I was, I'm a very social person, um, you know, being a I'm singer back in the day. i by that. Which, I know, totally, right? Because <laughs> we're not related or anything. No, um, no, but I, you know, you have to get out there. You know, I think I see some of these people that like, I don't know how you're doing it. I don't know how, but I, you know what? Last night I was out until almost 11 o'clock at this social event. It's like, did I want to go? Not really, but it's like that you have to make those decisions and you can't stop. People get complacent. And they, you know, once they start going, but you can't ever look back like your network in in my world, Vegas is like one of those cities where if you don't aren't in the network, it's hard to break in. But I am so proud of like the relationships I've built. I've always tried to be as ethical and have integrity with everything that I do. I'm always very honest and I can't tell you how much that has just paid off. And it sounds simple. But it's really hard for people to do that. <laughs> yeah. 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 So before you jump in to starting your own staffing business, um, you have to make a decision on your path. And you start out with real estate and sales. Were you successful? And what motivated you then to take that next step to go work for corporate America before you started your business? So, yes, I was successful. I became the number two agent in our office. And... Um, I was really fortunate. Like I had people that were selling and buying and then referring me. I mean, I truly like had, I owe that to my friends and referrals that sent me business. But I also hustled. I worked hard. I went in every day to the office and, you know, I wasn't afraid to do all those things you need to do. I put the work in. Um, of course, I was part of the Vegas debacle of, you know, short sale world and I just started to see a path that I was like, I don't know if I want to continue this because it was very scary. And that point in my life, I sometimes look back because I feel like, did I fail myself by not pushing through? Because I think I could have pushed through and, and still done well. But there was something in me telling me I needed to make a change. And, um, you know, I would still dabble in singing along there. Uh, every now and then and I started singing doing corporate gigs like with the band that I used to play with and um, I was offered a position to be a salesperson inside a company called a DMC they're a destination management company but basically it's a corporate event planner and um, I was scared of the market and I, that was one moment though I do look back in my life and kind of like 
property, like you should have pushed through. But I also don't feel like I would be where I am today if I didn't. So I'm, um, I have a lot of faith in my life. That's something else that has changed in me. Um, and I know there's a reason why I did that, like why I made that decision. And it was the best decision because ultimately it ended or got me to where I am right now. Yeah. Yeah. You talked about referrals. So many people say, I can't ask my friend. I can't ask my acquaintance for a referral. It's uncomfortable. for me. I just don't like that. How did you get to the point and what did a referral look like for you? If you're coaching someone on how to get a referral, the Aubrey Jones way, what would that way be? Don't be afraid to ask. There's a way to ask. Um, you know, and here's the thing. Don't be that person that just calls to ask for favors. You know, I've learned so much. I still write handwritten thank you notes. I still like reach out to my friends. I still try to go to social functions, even though I'm exhausted because I want to like support this person and what they're doing and what they're trying to do. And I'm, I'm telling you, that's why my business is, is successful. It's because I had the support of Las Vegas in the hospitality industry. And, but, but that's what I can say mostly is like, do you know those people that always call you just to ask you to do something? Or can you um, donate here? Or can you put, can you volunteer? Or can you give a gift for this event or, or whatever? And, it, and I don't, I'm always the yes person when it comes to that kind of stuff, because sometimes I can't always give my time. But I also have noticed those people in my life that that's all they ever ask me for. And then it's never like just checking in, hey, we should go get a glass of wine or we should go grab coffee. And so try to be that person that's not only reaching out for favors, but also reaching in to check in and say hello. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense. And I and it makes that referral easier, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it's natural. Do, do you think that people are afraid of asking for referrals because- you know, it's mechanical or they think there's a script. No, and I it's think, so, yeah, how should it sound? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, no, I think that people are afraid because they think that their friends will think, well, is that the only reason you need me? Yeah. And I, I'll tell you something interesting. You know, everybody always tried to get me into direct sales, you know, like Mary Kay or, you know, those kinds of companies. Um, and I, am not that kind of salesperson. And the reason is, is because I was like, I would never want to like attack all my friends and be like, well, come on, come be part of my team. And like, you know, because I knew that their success was really going to rely on them. I didn't feel good in my stomach and heart to try to promote somebody to come be a salesperson when I knew that they would, that's not what their path should be. And so that's why I, I never, like, part of me is like, God, I wish I could have been that salesperson because, you know, those women make a lot of money and, you know, they're living a very fulfilled life. But I knew that was not my path. But, um, but yeah, so I, I think people are afraid that they're going to think that their friends are going to think, well, is this all I'm good for? And you need to get over, over it. Like, you know what, we're all here to help one another. I mean, my Lord, it's like, that's what I think people, as people, we need to like, forgive ourselves. We're human. Hey, everyone wants to support a new business owner if you've been a good person and you're you're kind and you're good. So be kind and good and don't be afraid to ask your friends. If they're a real friend, they know. They get it. You know what I mean? Right. They, they do. They, they want to help you succeed. Yeah. Wonderful advice. Now, you go to work for a company that helps other companies when they come to Vegas, right? Do conventions, <laughs> get talent, which you learn a lot from that experience. But at some point, again, you're at that junction where you say, you know, I want to, I want to try something. I want to do something different. Walk me through that moment that you knew it was time to go out on your own. Yeah. It's kind of like an emotional moment in my life because there was some personal things with my husband and daughter that like happened within four days of each other. Um, and everything's fine now, but it was, um, kind of like a reality check of like, what the hell am I doing? Like, and my husband said something to me and it was just like this trigger that like, was like, what, what am I doing? Like, why am I working my ass off every single day for somebody else when I am capable of creating great things? I am creating great things doing what I was doing. And also just not being really recognized. And again, it goes back to that recognition I was talking about. You know, I, I just... I was tired and um, my sister, Sarah, 
um, worked at the same company. I was the VP of sales and she was the director of ops and she was done too. And I, I just, it was this moment where I was, and my husband said this thing, he said, you know, I've never seen somebody work so hard for somebody else. <laughs> and I was like, you're right. I, and so then I was like, I'm quitting. <laughs> I was like, Jerry Maguire, you know, like I had my moment. And um, then I was like, what the hell am I going to do? So then I called my cousin Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I always tell this story is that I feel like you and I have had very similar sales paths. And I've always looked up to you and, um, you know, your sales style and uh, your likability factor and just your hard work. And so um, but I, I wanted to talk to you and I, you know, you started, you started talking to me about your business and I, you know, you said some things to me and I was like, oh my God, like we've hired staffing companies at my, the company I was at and it was always a disaster. And I was like, I should start a staffing company that specializes in the event industry. And I started doing my research and, um, you know, two key things I read is like, make sure that you're in a destination or a city that uses staffing companies and make sure that, you know, that, uh, that, that you'll be able to be, you know, they'll be utilized. And there was one other thing and now I'm drawing a blank on it, but I was like, I knew there were staffing companies in the city, but I knew that they also weren't, they did not have the background that my sister and I had in the events industry. So I knew there were, oh, that's what it was. It was the niche, like have a, you know, special, a specialized staffing, you know, what are you specialized in? And there, there really wasn't. There were some that said they were, and you know they do a great job, but they didn't have the extensive background and the logistical brain that Sarah and I have with large, massive events and conventions because that's what we we had done for the past fifteen years. Yeah, I remember that conversation well. I was in an airport, by the way, talking to you, and I could I could sense that light bulb go off in your brain that you're you're like I can do this. I'm talented, and boy, have you done it. You have built an absolutely monster business, but it wasn't easy, right? So first you had to figure out what exactly do I want to do uh, in the staffing world? So again, business owners are watching out here. Walk them through what they should do to figure out how to develop that niche. Yeah, well, I I think it's, I want to say one more thing because I think this is important for business owners to hear is that <clears throat> my husband was totally supportive of this. And, um, but he was very like, we need to get a franchise. Like he was very much, and, and honestly, you were too because you had owned, you know, you owned a staffing company that was private franchise. And I came this close to buying one. Like I really did. And, there was something, again, going back to my gut and my intuition, because I think that's one of my strengths. There was something just telling me, like, I can't do this. Like, this isn't the right move for me. Like, I'm going to be restricted. I'm going to regret this and have to pay them a lot of money. But also, they would have guided me in a lot of the things that I've learned along the way. But I decided not to. And Josh, my husband, was, again, scared out of his mind, but he believed in me and supported me. And that was the best decision I've made. And and was it scarier and harder? Hell yes, like for sure. Um, but would I be where I am now? Maybe, but I wouldn't be as successful. And I would have, I, I don't think I would have learned as much as I've learned just and grown as much as I have as a business owner than as I did today. Um, but that one thing I will say is that it is so scary, <clears throat> excuse me, making that jump or that leap, you know, of coming to that realization of like, you want to open a business or you want to run a business or start a business. It's so scary, but you've got to believe in yourself. And I know this sounds super remedial, but like you're your biggest cheerleader. When everybody else was like drowning or not thinking this was going to work, like you had to continue, you have to continue to be that positive person building yourself up. Because believe me, there were many days where I came back and home and you know, wanted to cry. Like, what was I doing? I walked away from a really high paying job benefits, you know, 401k, like all this stuff. But then I was just like, you know what? No, I can do this. And so I'm a very self-motivating person. And that comes from that discipline that we talked about before. But I think that business owners need to always have that constant reminder and self-talk, you know, to build themselves up because you have to be your biggest cheerleader. If, you, if you're not, you're not going to make it. 
Yeah, I think it's true. I mean, if you talk to 10 people before you make that leap, nine are going to tell you don't do it because most are involved, right? And and they're working for someone. And then you're going to have that one person says, boy, you can sure do it. Yeah. And, but I want to go back to this. You had a chance. So you figure out, all right, here's franchise, here's my ownership. So you work through that and you say, hey, it's better for me to do my own ownership, which was home run for you. But now you got to say, Staffing's everything, right? You've got healthcare staffing, you've got event staffing, you've got industrial staffing, office staffing. How do you work through to determine that niche? Because so many business owners, no matter what they're opening, staffing or, what, or whatever their business is, they have to, am I going to be a generalized you know, business? Am I going to specialize in a niche? So how did you say, this is where I'm going? Well, so when I opened Hatco, um, I knew that I was going to do most of the work in the event industry, but I had been told by numerous people that I had to diversify my business. And um, again, in my gut, I didn't know if I wanted to do that or needed to do that, but I listened because, you know, they knew better than me, you know, at that time, especially in the staffing industry. And so, and, you know, you and I talked about this a lot because, and you were, you were one that said we should do it. And I, it, there's no, you're right. Like a lot of businesses will need to diversify. COVID, like I think in so many ways saved my business or not saved it, but changed my whole business model, which I'm going to answer your question, but I need to tell this story. Yeah. Because so we opened in May of 2018 and we were in the black within five months. Um, and my initial niche was the event industry hospitality focused on the people I knew in this city that would support me and and started doing that but on top of the event industry there's also a lot of companies that you know bring in furniture for conventions and for special events and so I had the connection with this the woman that you know so I used to give her a ton of business well she introduced us we started doing labor and it was not what I expected and not what I wanted. It was not a good feeling, but it was a huge account for us. And so during COVID, as you can imagine, my business, we were 19, we were like killing it. 2020, we were going to have our record year. And then COVID happened. And not only did my business just completely dissipate, everyone in the hospitality industry's business did. Right. Because Vegas shut down in a sense, right? Shut down. Like, I just started seeing all the shows, conventions that we booked started to, you know, March, obviously, April. Okay, well, May will be back. Okay, May comes. No, we're not doing May shows. Well, we'll get them the shows that we have in August. No, everything. And then it just, I, I was like, oh my God, like this is what? Anyway, fast forward, I put the work in during COVID. And that's the, that's the differentiator I feel that has raised us to the level that we're at now. I stayed. I mean, yes, did I have some days where I just sat at home and started drinking wine at two o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> watching the news? I mean, most my, of America. Hey, plenty of those days. Um, but I I was disciplined. Again, I put the work in. I looked at my so business. Let me interrupt you. So you were disciplined. So you're building. I mean, no money's coming in. You have no business. But what you're doing is you're preparing for the reopening by getting shows, talking to companies. Is that what I hear you saying? Well, no, because see, oh. that's that's good. So I was not approaching companies because everybody in this industry was just devastated. It, and, you know, there was a lot of conversation going, is it the right time to reach out to people? And, you know, but so what I did is instead of talking about business, I sent cards in the mail and little, you know, things like that instead of. Or I would say like, hey, do you want to do a Zoom call and just catch up? Like, I didn't talk about business. It wasn't appropriate for our industry. And that's an, a differentiator for me too, is that I have sensitivity and I'm very empathetic. And it's like, you have to be as a business owner, I feel. Mm -hmm. But I also, again, have good gut. So long story short, that's so. But what I kept doing during COVID was I was really working on some of our processes and procedures that we never really got a chance to really hone in on because fortunate for us, we just started blowing up, you know, with, with work. Um, but Sarah and I really looked at it and I made the decision to fire a bunch of clients 
And I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. My niche and what we are good at, what we are different, what makes Hadco special is Sarah and I's knowledge and industry in the special event and convention meetings and events space. There is no one in this town that has the experience, the longevity, the connections on the staffing side that Sarah and I do. And it was the best decision I could have made. Right. I, fire, I mean, this, you know, it was it was a big account for us. And Sarah even questioned me. She's like, I don't know if we should do this, Aubrey. Like, we don't have any business. Like, and I'm like, we're done. Because I looked at the return on it and I was like, yeah, I can make this much money in one and a half shows, you know, from a year's worth of, worth of work. And it was terrible work. I really learned during COVID, what is your time worth? You know, and that that is one of the biggest lessons I've learned in my life. And um, I, I, that's, if I can give you one piece of advice, like I, that is the, I've, I say this to so many people and I say it to young people, like, what is your time worth? Because if you don't value your time, then you're not going to be successful. Well, we couldn't do this without the incredible support of Farmers and Merchants Bank of Ashland. They have been around for 139 years, and there's a reason for that. They're locally owned, locally managed, and they are focused on you, their customer. They offer full-service business banking, and I know a lot of you watching today need that full-service business banking, and you're always going to speak to a live human being when you give them a call. They're commercial lenders. They will be happy thrilled to speak with you and they will be very helpful their expertise across the board and they're going to help you navigate sba tiff or nedco financing visit them at www.fmnb for farmers merchants national bank.com or give them a call at 402-944-3316 member fdic one of the few people who was firing clients during COVID. I mean, that just shows I, you I your know. vision. <laughs> you know, but, vision. I, but I think it's important to, to, you know, I couldn't do that in my old job, you know, but I, I knew this is what was going to one, bring us more happiness because it wasn't something we enjoyed. And quite honestly, we'll get calls all the time for administrative positions or like medical. Everyone jumped on this medical bandwagon in the staffing industry because that's what was exploding at the time. There's no way in heck I was going to even touch that. I knew, and I, that's the thing. You need to be able to admit what you're good at and what you're not. And I, when people call me and say, hey, um, we're looking for an administrative. Oh, I dabbled in that. I wasn't good at it. Like, that's not what I know. And so I'll refer people to competitors of mine, but I would rather, I would hope that they do the same to me because I know that they're not going to do as good a job as Sarah and I in right. the convention and meetings and space. I don't know if they do, but that's also why I think that our business is exploding because I am good that way. Like we try to support our industry, whether it's with a competitor or not. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, you do. And I'll just say it, you're, you're better than the competition because of so many reasons. But before we move on to that, and I do want to talk you also, though, had some challenges. Part of why you were thinking about diversify, what do we do, is that with your niche, you had a lot of long hours, right? Not, not necessarily long hours, but you had odd hours, right? Sometimes you had to work on a Saturday or a Sunday. And because you are who you are, you were going out and meeting your clients on a Saturday afternoon when you had a show or a Sunday or a Monday night. So you worked through that. So again, how... you? Know, and, and I'm, I'm going to walk you into this because I, I know what the answer is, but I'm going to let you tell it. You've gotten to a point where you've been able to balance because you did something very important with you as a leader and the way you transitioned your team. So can you explain, because again, so many business owners might say, that's great. I want to do that, but I don't know if I want to work every Saturday and Sunday and I need more time to do things that balance my life. So how did you make that work? Well, for the record, I'm still going down on Saturdays and Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> you are. You are. No, but you have but made some very important changes in your I did. Have you? I think, um, you know, when you start succeeding in a business and you start making money and it's so rewarding and you take care of your team and, you know, those kinds of things. But I, you know, 
we've talked about this a lot. I was like, I don't know how to get to this next level. It was just finally coming to the reality of like letting go of some things. I'm a control freak. I'm type A as A as you get, like, you know, but it was the decision of like, I need to let go. I promoted my sister, Sarah. I made some key hires and was it again scary because I know I'm like well I was just starting to make really 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 good money and now I'm going to pay paying more people and but it was again the best decision I could have made and so I think as a business owner like it's hard because you know you put so much work in in the beginning and you just feel like you're just bleeding money you know and so when you finally start to make it and you start making serious money it's like you enjoy it you want but you're still working your tail off you know but it's you've got to come to that realization of letting go of some of that because quite honestly for me i'm the sales but i i am on site doing logistics and operations but it's allowed me to focus on the bigger picture of the business you know people have said this to me like you're so in the business you you can't focus on the business you know it's everybody says that but i feel like now that's what i'm truly doing you're working on it working on it looking at the big picture and you know going back to the diversification like you know, when we were talking about the business, like I specialize in the special events. Here's another thing that I would say to to people, and I know this may not relate to everybody's business model, but it will in some way. I've diversified myself within the meetings and events space. And that is another differentiator with us is that some of our competitors, they only work with like corporate clients. We work with trade shows. We do some of the large, we do two of the largest shows in Las Vegas. So we work on the trade shows association business we work with corporate direct we work with third-party meeting planners and that there's nobody else in town that has all of those different entities and that is what keeps us busy year round versus what oh we have a show once a month yeah right right up and down that yep. up and down revenue stream this allowed it to to steady out right yeah that steady revenue increase uh or revenue yeah but one thing uh and i, I want to see if this is translated you say what a lot of us, I remember every new hire I made when I was a business owner. I was like, oh, it's going to cost me. But what I found most of the time is that if I made a good hire, it actually brought me more. I don't care if it was a good admin, good salesperson, whether they were touching revenue or not. Every good hire I made, it seemed like my business grew. Yeah. So the fallacy I want, do you agree that it is a fallacy? You said, oh, I'm just starting to make money and I got to hire. I'm going to spend a little more. But has that translated to spending more and less revenue, or do you find that it has translated your good hires into making more? Well, it's freed up my time to be able to, I, I mean, you've got to look at this as a business owner, but to answer your question, no, yes, it's, I've made more money, you know, because now it's freed my time up to focus on the sales side or to look at the bigger picture of the business or to develop the team so that I don't have to be down there every single weekend, you know, to do shows. So the answer is yes, it's been a positive thing. And that's the thing I think that's hard for business owners is we get greedy sometimes. And yeah, I mean, you want to enjoy what you've put your hard work in. You want to enjoy what you're doing. But it's like, if you could just get over yourself a little bit sometimes and realize this is actually going to be a better thing. And not only that, it also helps the rest of your team because now they're growing, they're taking on more responsibility, but it's also taking some responsibilities off of you know, some of your leadership as well. You know, some of those things that Sarah, my sister was doing, now we have the extra support, you know, to to take some of that off of her plate so she can develop and hone in on some of those bigger picture items too. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, tr absolutely. Absolutely it does. And here you sit, you've grown every single year. Uh, you've added staff. Your reputation is impeccable within that market. People know now right? Hey, I'm going to Hadco. Whereas you had to fight, you know, to build a reputation. What's your secret sauce, Aubrey? When you look back on it, what is your secret sauce that makes Hadco so special, so unique? Oh, <laughs> I love our team so much. Like, you know, we've really developed quite an, an amazing culture here at Hadco that I'm really, really proud of. And Another, this goes back to during COVID, um, I would send emails out. It was just a blank, you know, blanket email, but, you know, I copied 
hundreds of staff. And I, and I, the first thing I said, I'm sorry, we don't have a show, <laughs> you know, cause everyone's like looking at their emails waiting, but I just wanted to reach out and say hello and just let you know, we're thinking of you and Sarah and I are working hard to, when this comes back, you know, we're going to be ready to go. And I can't tell you how many people just were like, you're the only company we've heard from. And, and I know that my hard work and upbringing in Nebraska, and I seriously mean this from the bottom of my heart, like, um, is what has made Hadco special is, is that we have brought that family environment into our world. And I know everyone's like, oh, we have such good culture. Like we take care of our people. I know every single one of our staff's names. And if I don't know it the first show, I will know it by the second show. I know. And by the way, when we say staff, we're not talking about your eight or nine employees. We're talking about hundreds hundreds. upon hundreds. We do. We do. CES, which is the largest show in Vegas. And we have over 630 staff that work a day for like six days. And I'm not joking you. I know them. I, I know, I again, if I don't know them the first time, I will go up and introduce myself. And the most, what I think is special is that I'm the owner of the company and I'm down there being a line monitor and helping my team. And I will always do that until I retire because you lead by example. And again, I know it sounds easy and simple, but I will, we do a lot of these things called bag stuffing. So, you know, when you go to a convention, you'll get handed a bag when you register and get your pass. And it, we, I love bag stuffing. It's fun. I'll get down there and help the staff. And this one kid, his name is Anthony James. And I just, I love him. He's, I know he's had a hard life and it's like, but he's one of our hardest workers. And he's just like, this is why I love you and Sarah. He's like, Nobody else is going to come bag stuff with us. And I'm like, I want to be a team player. Like, I won't ask you guys to do anything I wouldn't do. And that is the truth. And I mean, I stand by those words. A lot of leaders will say that, that I wouldn't ask my team to do anything I wouldn't do, but then you never see them do it, right? Roddy, <laughs> yeah. We can't wrap this up without talking about you as a, as a woman owner because yes. you are very proud of it. You and I have had conversations and I know it's so important. Uh, to you. First question I've got for you along those lines is, is it tougher for women to be a business owner than men? I mean, have we transitioned to that period where that's that's the olden days or, or is it still harder for females to be in that position of leadership and ownership um, today? Or are we beyond that? So I don't think it is. I, I don't think it's harder. I, I actually think in today's space, like it's actually an advantage. Um, you know, I, I'm We Bank certified, which um, is, you know, it's an accreditation that a lot of companies can use for diversification credits and things like that. So um, I urge any woman owned business to get involved with women organizations or to be certified because it just does give you that extra clout. Um, and it's an organization that, again, supported me through COVID that, you know, with so much resources and connections and so forth. But no, I don't. Well, here's where I think that I'm different than a lot of people is. I'm not woe is me. You know, I, I'm I believe that you create your own destiny. I don't care if you're a woman, your man, what color you are, what race. Like, I, I think that you need to put all that stuff behind you and you create your own destiny. I, does that yeah, I think I've lived that way. And, you know, I've I've thought a lot about my life in the in the corporate business. You know, as a woman, there's been so many things that have happened over the past, you know, 10 years, you know, with the hashtag Me Too movement and all of that. And I think I've thought about moments in my life where maybe there was some things that, you know, I was like, yeah, that probably wouldn't have won't fly today, you know, and things like that. Um, but I, I never allowed it to get to me. And I also know that I'm resilient and strong. Like I, but that's, it takes me back to my days of discipline and hard work. And, you know, being a performer, you get criticized all the time. You know, I, I love when people tell me how I should run my business. You know, it's like, not that I, I want to hear, but people that I'm like, I wouldn't listen to them for the, you know, it's always right. Like, I want to tell you yeah. how to do your job. But I think about that. Um, I, I, I was I was a strong character, you know what I mean? And so I know that not everyone has that in them. So all I can say is like don't play the pity party game, 
buck up and and you know if you're a business owner you got to be strong and don't play that game use it to your advantage i mean i'm proud to be a woman-owned company hell yeah i am my mom I, my mom was one of the hardest working women i watched grow up you know like i and again it gets me emotional because it's like we were poor like we did not you know like but my mom you would have never known it because my mom worked her butt off and the work ethic that she instilled in my sisters and myself um is the greatest gift that I think I could have and I that's all I hope that I can give to my daughter is to to just show her that hard work pays off and um but being a woman in today's age like I think it's an advantage and I use it to my advantage <laughs> I love it absolutely and and uh listen just to echo your mother my aunt Kay wow incredible woman great role model for so many all right, we're going to do three and out, Aubrey. This is kind of fun. This takes us out of the show. So I'm going to call it three and out. Perfect. A little random, a little crazy. Give me your best memory of going to a Husker football game since you're going to come back and sing the national anthem. You're the best memory. Oh, my God. I mean, probably when Tommy Frazier ran. What, one thing you could tell on the air. <laughs> probably when Tommy Frazier ran that run. Oh, get Florida. Because I, because that's what I, my sorority sister is still married to Tommy Frazier, but I was in college. I graduated in 95 when we were back to back national champions. So it's like I was there in the glory days. So, I mean, every single one of the games was amazing. <laughs> yeah. That, that was a run for the ages. All right. Number two was La La Land overrated. You're an artsy. You, you did musicals. Yes. Was, it was. Why do you say that? For me, I'm a very artsy person and I love like deep thought movies and things. I thought it was bizarre and I love both of them. Like Ryan Gosling, like, you know, he's he's on my list. <laughs> he's I mean, it's just like, you know, you don't do any wrong. Like, but I I I was not crazy about that movie. And I'm sorry if that disappoints you. No, I'm uh, that's what I'm asking. <laughs> uh and then number three. All right. Uh, get, you talked about Madonna. She was a great role model. What is the number one when you think Madonna? Her her a song that comes to your mind. Give me one Madonna song that hits you. Express yourself. And I <laughs> I have to say one more thing before we go off. I know some people may like be like seriously Madonna, but I hope that people can see the deeper side of what she did for me as a woman. It's not. She she always pushed. The push the button you know like raise or what's the what's the term i'm looking for she always yeah she you know what i mean i think yeah push the edge of the yeah, limit a little bit and, yeah and she just she was fearless and for me that like as a woman learning that at a young age and wanting to portray that as a grown woman to be fearless take the risk like you don't care what people say about you and kick butt like that's what i hope that's what people can see when I say that she was such a huge influence in my life. People who would criticize that would be crazy because you could get a PhD in marketing from Madonna. Uh, she was all about it. She knew how to push her brand. And and no, I think she's brilliant. I, yeah. I really do. So, yeah. and I think you're brilliant. I know you're brilliant. Thank you. What too. an incredible success story. You took Hadco from nothing and you have built it up into one of the premier uh, staffing agencies with a very strong niche and a reputation that goes with it so proud of you and thanks for being on the show thank you timmy and you're amazing and i'm proud of you and i wouldn't be here if you had not been in my life during that time i mean and i really want to take do an outtake and have you do pantyhose for the audience <laughs> an old I song an old song from my childhood i didn't wear them i sang it so anyway. we should have a separate podcast and just be like we're gonna sell timmy washburn out a Huda Media Production.